author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries. We have a show that's a fitting show today, uh, since November 22nd was just uh, three days ago. Uh, and today, November 25th, is the 59th anniversary of uh, JFK's funeral and also the assassination of Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, his presumed uh, assassin, which is uh, obviously, you read my work, you know how false that is. But uh, so we have a, a, an author, Jack Roth, who also is a, a journalist, documentary film producer, and uh, he's he's written a book called, which I think is different than all the hundreds or thousands of JFK assassination books that, that have been out there, Killing Kennedy, Exposing the Plot, the Cover-Up, and the Consequences. And uh, I was one of the many people he interviewed for it. He's got some really interesting people that have not been heard from. So glad to have him on the show. Jack, welcome to Die Protest. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. No, my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I, I, so tell us, how. where did you, I mean, first of all, I'm looking at your other work and you produced, uh, there's a documentary on uh, a Stan Romanek. I'm not sure who Stan Romanek is, but I don't think he's connected to the JFK assassination uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the, the seeding. And I, I, it seems like you're into uh, unexplained phenomena and things like that, which I'm also into as well. So how did, how did you come to decide to write a JFK assassination book? Yeah, well, Basically, I've always been fascinated with the JFK assassination. I would say, like a lot of people, well, I was interested even as a kid. And I always felt that whole idea that Ruby, as soon as I knew that Jack Ruby shot Oswald, I knew there was something wrong. I knew that there was something, you know, rotten in the state of Denmark, as they say. And, uh, and I just, I was, I was always a critical thinker. So I, th that always bugged me. And then of course, 1991, I saw Oliver Stone's phenomenal film, JFK. And that was, was like a springboard for me to do a ton of reading. Uh, and I did that and then years went by, I was making documentary films. I had, had written a book, another book on Gettysburg, but nothing in the JFK realm. And about three years ago, just before COVID started, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine, uh, who's, also, who's also a writer. He lives in England, and uh, we were talking. We started talking about the JFK assassination, and we'd have these long, long conversations. <laughs> and we were in agreement. We talk about how ridiculous this was and that was, and uh, all the, all the usual stuff. But I said, I really want to write a book. I'd really like to contribute in my own small way to this. And but he and he asked the he asked this question. It was the perfect question how will your book be different than the thousand others written on the topic? And how, what are you going to offer that, you know, hasn't been offered yet? And it, it stumped me. It was a great question, but it was the best question he, he could ask because I didn't want to do something that was not going to be a little unique. So I'm a, I have a journalism background. Uh, I know, you know, there are certain things I'm good at, right? I'm good at interviewing people. I'm good at telling stories. So I thought to myself, and we, we, we talked it through and things such as ripple effects, uh, the cost of conspiracy, why it still matters, uh, 
you know, things that more of a present day relevance uh, of the assassination. And so we, we, I kind of stuck with those themes and I said, you know what? I think if I can get a couple people up front first that I can interview, then I could get others and then get more and then get more. And I want, and if I could get enough, I could write a book. It's almost like a people's history, right? I, I did it so that every chapter, every chapter is an interview. Right. And then what I did in the book is I, I uh, there's 24 chapters, main chapters uh, of and 24 people in the book. And then I separated them into parts. So like, for example, one part is my father was in the CIA. So there were four people I interviewed whose fathers were in the CIA during that time, right. uh, the Cold War during the early 60s. So I I crafted that. And as, as more, as I did more and more interviews, the book started to take shape, but I knew the thing about the book that was unique was that these, the questions I was asking were two things specific to that person's journey. And also I asked everyone why it still matters. What are the ripple effects? Why are we still, why does it, you know, why should young people care? That was something I really wanted to get across. So what, you know, the finished product was, I was really, really happy with and I, and, and proud of, because I felt like I really got a lot of the right people. Uh, and I say this and you're in the book and you're one of those right people because that, you know, and, and seriously, I mean, I, you know, I, I again, I was just, I, I just read your chapter again to kind of refamiliar, refresh myself with that. And uh, just the stuff in it is so good. I mean, and, and we, we talk about that obviously, but those are the things I wanted to get across in this book. And, and so far, uh, the feedback's been really good. So I'm happy with that. Oh, cool. And I, you know, again, I, I, I was uh, going through it and obviously the names, most of the names are familiar to me. Uh, David Mantic, Phil Nelson, who's been on my show. William Law is a friend of mine. Vince Palomar is a friend of mine. Great, very big admirer of, of his. Uh, Ed Haslam, obviously I know of. St. John Hunt, Peter Gianni, uh, Chris Milligan published Bullyocracy for Trying Day. Uh, one of my books, Peter Dale. I'm very, you know, Honored to be uh, right after Peter Dale Scott and the, uh, the, yeah. the grouping of the Deet State and the Fourth Estate and before Jefferson Morley. Uh, but, I, you know, a couple of people that I, I hadn't heard, uh, David Denton, I obviously know of for his conferences, Randy Benson, uh, the, the, the movie The Searcher. So lots of good people in there. I, but a couple of people I was fascinated by, I hadn't, uh, I, I have to, because you know, John Armstrong is a friend of mine. I haven't talked to him before. I don't know that he ever interviewed Victoria Sulzer who, uh, you know, knew Oswald, I guess was a couple of years behind him in school. So I, I was fascinated by that one. And uh, the one that stood out to me also was Pat Hall, because um, I don't think too many people have talked to her. And she, uh, what came through in the internet, she, for those who don't know, he, she was the granddaughter of the woman who was renting the rooming house to Lee Harvey Oswald on North Beckley, which he very strangely and oddly was, was staying at, I think. But I uh, had uh, Buell Wesley Fraser on my show and one thing he harped on was Lee Harvey Oswald's how great he was with children and his love of children. And that came out in, in her interview as well. She mentioned it over and over again. So I think we can, and I think there was another person that talked about that too. I think we can pretty much establish whatever we don't know about Oswald, that whoever this guy was, he seemed to really love children. It's great. So I, I don't know if that, it doesn't necessarily fit with a, you know, with a Marxist assassin, but talk about those two and talk about whoever you want. But I, those two are fascinating. Talk about how those interviews came about. Yeah. Well, again, you know, one thing leads to another. And I think I started 
a lot of my first interviews with researchers and then what happened was someone would say, Hey, you need to talk to her or you need to talk to him. And one thing would lead to another and I'd reach out and, you know, just, and again, I feel so fortunate that everyone was willing to do this. There were a couple of people that didn't, but for the most part, I got everyone I wanted to, uh, with the exception, maybe one of Oswald's children, right? You know, like that's really hard. That would have been the coup yeah, of all coups. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. like I was going to be just jealous to... if you got. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I'm it trying to get happened. her on this show. Believe me. Well, I, I, tell I, you, I, you know, I just between you and me, she, she's she's a really interesting person. I talked to her, and, and we let me. As she said, "This is how, this is how much I'm willing to let you in." So she's let me in enough to where she uh, likes a lot of the political stuff I talk about. She subscribes to me on Substack. She might be watching this show. I don't know. I, I know she's watched some. She watched the Bill Wesley Frazier interview, but I really would love to get her on the air because uh, I, I keep trying to convince her, like, whatever doubts you have or whatever, if you think there's any possibility your father did this, he did not do it. And I hope he, and if she's watching this, I hope she hears what you heard about him uh, being, uh, you know, because that speaks for his character that he loved children. I kept trying to say, listen to the kids from the neighborhood all come around, you know, to play with him. And that's just, uh, you know, so it sounds like something that, that she was talking about as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, with Pat and Victoria, I, I, one of the things that was a surprise to me, uh, I wanted to, one of my goals was to broaden the context of Lee Harvey Oswald. I feel like most people in this country know him as either a patsy or a lone nut assassin and really don't know anything about him. And I think it is important. It is important to understand someone's character a little better. I, uh, there's a photo I have in my book that I wanted in my book. I told the publisher, I don't care what you have to do to get this particular photo. It's the one of him in his helmet where he has that grin on his face yeah. and it's like this yeah. goofy kid. And yeah. I'm like, and of course I, this is, I'm just joking, half joking when I say this, but there's like, there's no way that kid, <laughs> you know, shot the president of the United States. It, it just, there's something in that picture that says something about him, but no, uh, I, I got in touch with Pat Hall. And interviewed her and was blown away. The the anecdotes. It's all about the anecdotes, yeah. the stories, the little stories that people don't know. How how he was the only adult that was there in that rooming house and that boarding house who would take time to play with her brothers, and you know, and he was sweet as could be to her because she had dyslexia, he had dyslexia, yeah, and the grandmother was hard on her. You know, back then people didn't know, right? So no, it was like, yeah, come on, yeah. you need to you need to get this right. You're slow, you know? you're slow. Come on, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. And Oswald would go by her, whisper in her ear, "It's okay, don't worry." I mean, who would do this? Yeah. You know, and, and and most people didn't pay children any mind back then, right? It was that right. that whole that whole you know seen but not heard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think it was the talk that he had with the brothers because the brothers had gotten into a little fight on the lawn, on the front lawn, right? Playing cowboys and Indians, whatever that wrestling or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oswald took the time to sit them down and say on the porch and she was there. She overheard it. She was at the door and he said, you know, you guys are brothers. You need to love each other and take care of each other. You can't ever fight, ever fight, never harm anyone else. And he was sincere. That is telling okay does that is that 100 percent prove that he didn't kill no of course not but it is important yeah. 
you know, and, and Victoria Solzer said the same thing in her interview. She knew him differently. She knew him in junior high school and he was a little older, but she had seen enough and, you know, with, with again, anecdotes uh, of, of him in his class. And he was always asking questions. He was really smart. And the teacher would get mad at him because he was always asking questions. And she heard all this. And then also there were a bunch of boys who would bully him, but they're probably because of the dyslexia. But yeah. there were some boys, there was also a group of boys who stood up for him because I think he was a very likable guy. And I wanted to get those stories. And of course, you know, Judith Varys, Varys Baker, the chapter with her in New Orleans that summer of 63, uh, you know, she was with him that entire summer and they were having an affair. So there were most certainly intimate moments between them. And there are a lot of anecdotes there, but it all says the same thing. It, it, he was a sensitive guy. He was incredibly smart. He was an avid reader. He was a patriot. He, he was all for equal rights. He would sit in the back of the bus when, you know, they had the coloreds only they would sit in the back of the bus. He says, these people are my brothers. I would fight for them. I would die for them. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't see this guy, you know, like, and, and, and again, does it prove anything? No, but I think it's important for people to hear these things because you don't hear these things on the news. No, no. And, and, and there's no, there's no reason for a woman who was 11 years old at the time and has no, I mean, I, you, you didn't pay her. I'm sure it is interview for your book. She has no vested interest. <laughs> she has no vested interest to do this. And so, that's why I'm really, and same thing with Victoria Salzer. I mean, she's, she just remembered him as such a polite young guy. And she, she was so, had such a positive impression of him. And this is, you know, you don't usually hear this about budding assassins and it doesn't fit in. And the love for children, obviously completely uh, just, you know, it throws people for a loop, but you don't hear this. And I think that uh, when you mentioned how smart he was, People, and I don't know how many people in my audience know, but, you know, they, they were able to check some of his library records out. And he was a voracious reader. And he he would probably, if he was alive, he'd be listening to shows like this because he was in that conspiracy world. His favorite show was I Led Three Lives. And and he uh, he read, he checked 84 and, you know, books like that from the library. Uh, so this is the world he was in. And uh, I think it's, as you and I probably both, he was think he was some kind of an intelligence operative. But, and that, some of the people in the book, I was most of the people seems like a theme. I, I noticed that several people agree with me that I think he was on assignment at the time of the assassination was told to infiltrate a plot to kill the president. You're correct. And there's a lot of evidence now and, and whatever, you know, files are coming out, you know, which is basically being spoon fed to us. But mm -hmm. uh, it shows that he was in. They don't want you to know that they haven't wanted us to. They certainly didn't want you to know that back then. That's for sure. Uh, so that's why they had to get rid of him immediately, you know, enter Jack Ruby and, and they, they, they withheld all those records because either way it made them look awful, you know, because even if, even if he was a lone assassin, well, he was working for you guys and he was a, or he was a defector that you didn't keep in touch with. You didn't follow, you didn't keep tabs on. So it, it, no matter what the case may have been, it did not look good for the CIA or the FBI. So uh, but yeah, no, you know, listen, and Don, I say this in the book. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't on the sixth floor of the depository when it happened. I wasn't behind the grassy knoll. I wasn't in a, in a, in a dark office where Alan Dulles and James Angleton and, and Curtis LeMay were talking about whatever they were talking about. I wasn't there. So I'll never know exactly what happened. But, but it's yeah. only fair that people know the truth about Oswald. And the truth is, is that this is the person he was. 
So right. whether well, he was in, yeah. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, have you, I'm wondering because the way because you, it, Oswald is such a complex character, and that's why John. I don't know if you've read Harvey and Lee or not. I mean, it's a it's yes. a huge yeah. So I mean, what do you think? Because I mean, there's so much there, but uh, and I'm not even sure in his Harvey and Lee theory if that would have been lee that was kind to children I, i'm not even sure but but there's a lot of anomalies like that that don't make any sense uh, what what are you what are your thoughts on harvey and lee and how that would play into this so oh okay so it's not me and lee you're talking about it's harvey and lee no well, no harvey okay, and lee. I, john armstrong this is the two the two the theories that there were two they were actually they were part of an intelligence operation from the time they were pretty young i guess maybe even elementary school and then they, you know, so, so again, it's, it's a lot of people ridicule, but he did a lot of great research and raised a lot of questions. Well, it almost seems that way, right? You would think of it as like yeah. two personality, completely different personalities. But I yeah, think, yeah, yeah I, I believe that, uh, I really do believe, and I feel very strongly that there's, there's, that Oswald was an intelligence operative. I mean, it could have been low level or probably was low level because he was just following orders. Right. He, they told him to be in New Orleans. They told him to go to Dallas. They told him to get a yeah. job. This was all done for him by his handlers. Right. It's no coincidence that he wound up at the book depository right before the assassination. And I believe they told him to go to the theater. I think he was yeah. supposed to meet his handler there. And, and, and here's the thing, Don. What, you know, like, well, you can never know that for sure. No, but I can use critical thinking skills, objective thinking skills, and really come to a, a pretty good, comfortable conclusion on that. Uh, and I think that's what people need to do. They really need to use that critical thinking part of their brain and say, come on, really? Do you really think that Jack Ruby was so upset that he didn't want Jackie to have to go through a trial and that's why he shot Oswald? Do you, uh, this guy that was up to his ears in the mob and connected is the most absurd thing. And the same goes for the single bullet theory. I mean, that alone, that alone. Yeah, no, you're right. And I, and I got, I got to, you know, and I, I, I'll let the, the listener. I, I, hello to William Hale from Australia. My buddy Vince Agnelli, Felix Carbo, who has a question for you here at Chris Buckin. Uh, this is going to be the first, and, and we may have other questions in the, uh, the chat room about Judith uh, Baker. As I'm sure you're, you're probably anticipating. This is Felix Carbo. says, Come on, guys. John Barber destroyed Judith Barry Baker with one question. John asked Judith, what was her favorite photograph of the LHO? Judith could not answer. So what are your, what are your, how do you answer people? You know, Judith is a very divisive figure in the community, right? I mean, yep. I'm kind of on the fence with her. I think she kind of likes me. I don't know because I've, I've defended her some, but uh, what do you say to people like that? Well, this is what I would say. First of all, Oswald was really good at spycraft. It's like you had said earlier, this is what he did. This is, was his thing. And he was also very good as with photography. You know, yes. you know, he, he owned those spy cameras. He was, that was part of what he did. He was naval, whether it was naval intelligence, the CIA, maybe the FBI as well, but he did like that. So he knew spycraft. And one of the things someone like that would have realized right away in New Orleans when he was with Judith is that under no uncertain terms, could there ever be any photographs of us together? And he would have probably been very cognizant of that uh, for several reasons. It, from a personal standpoint, he was married to Marina with two young girls and was having an affair right. from a right. professional standpoint. Even more importantly, he wanted to protect Judith. 
and I, I've I've spoken to Judith. I talked to her at length. I uh, I met her just recently for the first time at the JFK conference in Dallas, and it was amazing. And we it was really she's such a sweet person. She is, and and there's so much evidence. People say there's no evidence. Well, here's a girl that if you do the research, there are articles written about her in high school winning all these awards for curing cancer, doing these cancer experiments. There are photos of her. And uh, she went to school in Sarasota, which is not far from me in Orlando. And I've, I've seen these articles. And she was recruited by Oshner, Alton Oshner, and, and, and Tulane University, and, and, and by extension, Mary Sherman, to come up there and, and do an internship. And then she was going to go to Tulane Medical School. She is a brilliant, brilliant woman. And so she's up there and she's just telling these stories and, 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 you know, listen, she was, she was definitely, and she'll say it herself. Listen, I was a naive teenager, basically, you know, 19, whatever, however old she was. And she fell in love with this guy. They both spoke Russian and, but she had all these experiences with him that summer and it's there. I mean, it's, if you really dig in the research in new Orleans during the summer of 63, it will blow your mind. And you mentioned Ed Haslam. Okay. You yeah. include yeah. Ed Haslam's story with Judith's story and they both coincide. They both, they, they fit. And the stuff that was going on in that city in the summer of 63 could have been some of the most important stuff that's ever gone on in this country. It was all horrible, right? <laughs> but it was and happening. What, and what, so, and that, and I, th and I think you raise the perfect point. And I, that's what would be my answer to Felix, regardless of who it is. Uh, I, do, I mean, I don't know. I've never been an adulterer. But I would imagine that most adulterers don't document their relationship by taking pictures with who they're cheating with. So I, I don't think that's a that's really a good point to try to refute. I, I wouldn't refute her using that because that that would make very little sense to do that because you're you know you're obviously you're using it if they want to come after right. you and uh, you know divorce you. That's there's the evidence. Right there. So, but Felix right. also mentions Walt Brown. I, I don't know if you talk. Have you talked to Walt Brown? Many cankerous people in this uh, uh, in the community, and you know it's full of them. But he wrote a book, Judas <laughs> Baker, or I'm posting up there. And uh, you know, this is as I said. You know, you, you probably know of it. I'm sure. You know, listen. One of the things I had to do, I, I was going to introduce, I have, I have not read Walter Brown's, is it a book that, or he's read he, the book that he wrote? Yeah. Yeah. I knew I was going to interview. Yeah, he's very, he's one of the yeah. most. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm Cranky. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. I get it. I totally get it. Listen, there yes. are people, the problem yes. with any, any community where you have PhDs, researchers, the people are very proud of their work and ego is ego. It's like human nature. I mean, you, you know, you talk yeah. about this in your books, human nature is a big part of all of this. So yeah. how, how do people behave? Right? So right. if it doesn't jive with what they're trying to say, they are going to crucify that person because it's human nature, not because it's right or wrong. Right. Well, it's wrong. Right. But, but when you mm -hmm. meet Judith and I knew I was going to interview some controversial people Judith's probably the most controversial, but I wanted wow, to hear, so I sure. wanted to get her story in the book. I had to get her story in the book. And if you just, like you said, I wouldn't dismiss her story because there's no photo of her and Lee 
you know, on on Bourbon Street with, you know, hurricanes in their hands. I mean, that that's not a reason to dis- dismiss her. You know, there's no reason in the right. world for her to lie about any of this. There's none. Her life's been turned upside down because of what happened to her. And yeah. it's just she's just she's been trying to just survive basically her whole life, you know, and live a life. And like Lee wanted her to. He said, have babies, have a good life. He knew at that point when he talked to her, when he finally, when he was in Dallas, just before the assassination, you know, be just live a good life, uh, you know, because he knew that there, he probably wasn't going to make it out of whatever was about to happen. And David Ferry told her the same thing. Her stories about David Ferry, are her anecdotes are so funny. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You can't. Yeah, she knew was, David Ferry very well. She knew about all of his wigs. She knew what the wigs were made of, which I don't even want to mention on the show. <laughs> I mean, this guy was a piece of work. Also a very yes. brilliant man, by the way. Brilliant guy. Yes, he was. Uh, he was. Yeah. But uh, but there's Just no reason one for little her. weakness, you know, <laughs> one, little, one weakness. little weakness. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty big way. <laughs> so but uh, boy, she tells a story and I won't I, I want you read the book with this one. It's called Berries. Uh, I'm sorry. Fairies Berries. And it's a little anecdote about because they used to go to his apartment. And, and again, part of that research was David Ferry because David Ferry had all the mice in his apartment. And this was all part of that yeah. cancer research stuff. And, and, and this whole thing with Ed Haslam, that chapter explains it in detail. But the story about uh, fairies berries, I mean, just it, it's hilarious. And you just can't it, it, listen. I am not trying to convince anyone of anything with this book. You know that because of the type of book it is. I yeah. simply interviewed 24 people. And I try to get the best information I could out of them. And it, it, it's up to other people. But to see, that's what I hope happens. I hope someone says, well, I heard Judith. Well, maybe I should read more into this. You know, maybe I should do sure. more research, you know. Well, really, so, yeah. because, I mean, ultimately, Judith is, is somebody that and I don't want to spend too much time on her because, uh, you know, it's her story. Lots of people believe her. Lots of people don't. Walt Brown is somebody right. that don't. Doesn't so uh, you know you, you study it for yourself, Felix. I mean, I, again, I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know, but uh, I don't think she's necessary to 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 you know to have there to prove anything. Obviously, but uh, what I was found really, uh, I think the most interesting chapter that I read in your book was, and again, I, I think it was Victoria Salzer. I hope I'm not getting it mixed up, but it was the uh, the apartment there in New Orleans where she was in the same apartment with uh, Mary Sherman. And, uh, you know, these, uh, uh, what's the guy named the, uh, one of the Cuban figures. Uh, but yes. she was like right there in the center. Who was that Victoria Salzer? Or am I mixing it up? No, that's but Victoria Salzer. Yeah. Yeah. So she, so Victoria Salzer, I mean, that's, has she ever stopped to consider, wow, I, I, I knew Lee Harvey Oswald. I was right after my high school. And then I move into this weird apartment complex that <laughs> Mary, I mean, that, that was she was kind of in the and that's where mary sherman died i mean mary sherman was killed and well she a body was found in that apartment complex right, uh right. but victoria boy does she connect a lot of dots just by living there i mean you know and, and then yes. she recognizes oswald because oswald comes to her front door knocks on the door yes. again very polite <laughs> and she's like 
are you Lee Harvey? She knew this. I'm like, do we go to junior high together? And of course, very polite, but he wanted her to hold a package until this other guy got home, this Cuban guy and who lived right next door to her. And he, and she tells, and she, of course she said, yeah, I'll hold it for you, blah, blah, blah. I'll give it to him when he gets home. And she did that a couple of times. Now, again, this is the same complex that Dr. Mary Sherman lives in, who was part of that whole experiment, the, the, the cancer research stuff that was going on. Uh, and you know, that would include David Ferry and also Judith Ferry Baker, if you believe all that, but it's all right there. Right. And then, and then what happens is, so she would hear flushing continuous flushing of the toilet bowl <laughs> late at night in this yeah. guy's apartment. And what it was, was Oswald, you can, and again, not, no one knows for sure, but he was giving him either the, the dead mice or the, uh, what's pretty scary to think that it was bio, uh, biohazardous material from the experiments was he had to get rid of the rat, the mice or get rid of whatever they were trying to get rid of. And they would, they would, that's where they were getting rid of some of the stuff, but it was all happening under Victoria's nose. And then, uh, the rest of the story is amazing, as you know, cause she got a phone call from who she believed with it was her Cuban neighbor and, you know, saying that be careful, blah, blah, blah. Cause a lot of people were dying when Mary was killed, they had a cover, they had to shut that whole thing down. And that had nothing to do with, the, well, it was related to the Kennedy assassination, but not directly related to Kennedy assassination, but they had to get rid of a bunch of people there to shut that down, you know, and it, it's crazy. The new Orleans aspect of this is absolutely stunning. Cool. And I have uh, Chris Graves in the chat room. He's uh, asking uh, your thoughts on Th Thomas Arthur valet and, and his, uh, his uh, very incredible similarities to Lee Harvey Oswald and the aborted Chicago plot. Did you look into that at all? Yeah, I actually saw that for the first time on Oliver Stone's documentary. Uh, and then I, and mm -hmm. he talked about it again in his latest one, uh, destiny betrayed, which I watched just before I went up to the conference that blew my mind. And a lot of people could say, well, it's coincidence, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> you know, uh, here's a patsy, there's a patsy everywhere. There's a patsy, right? So you have a patsy in Chicago, you have a patsy in, in, in Dallas and you have a patsy yeah. in Tampa. Right. And then, and it, and it's always, it's so weird to me. A lot of these guys have three names. I, I say that just as something that I just, I find yes. it the funniest. <laughs> I, talk, I talk about that well. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Even John Wilkes Booth. It's always, you know, going back to John Wilkes know. Booth. Exactly. Bruno Richard yeah, James Hall. Earl Ray. Yeah, they, yeah exactly <laughs> right. Right. James Earl Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but they, uh, and in the chat room, uh, also we had Chris Graves. Thank you for the kind words. To say, and Tom Cooper, nominated for president. Uh, Carolyn Rose Goyda, my friend. Good to see you. Little John. I'm just calling these people out to see if I missed anybody. Uh, that's what I see here so far. I'm sure the more people join in. And so, um, but you know, they may not know. My boss knows a lot, but I'm not sure how they know the minutiae on this stuff like we might. But uh, so why was, how does, because this, and this kind of, this is associated with Judith Baker's story, but I think we knew about it even before her, but you had Dr. Mary Sherman. What, what was the work going on there with the mice and the cancer experimentation and Mary Sherman's suspicious death? And then you had Nicholas Chet, I believe, also that died, uh, you know, very strange. So t if you can just kind of summarize that whole area for people. 
Sure. And this is a highly recommend Ed Ed Haslam's book, uh, Dr. Mary's Monkey. Uh, It will blow your mind. It it will just change. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, but basically in New Orleans in the summer of 63. So part of it is so, you know, the CIA uh, had tentacles everywhere and they did that and they had tentacles at universities. Tulane University was one of those. They did research through the universities and they subsidized some of that research for their own purposes. And Alton Oshner, who was the main doctor, the main guy, is very, very well respected. If you go to New Orleans today, there's statues of him uh, at, at hospitals that he was so well respected. Uh, but he ran. He was a he was a CIA asset, and he was one of the guys that they had that you know was that they worked with. One of the things the CIA and people this is something most people will agree with, and that is that the CIA was trying to kill Castro since the 1950s, right? So the minute he took over. They were trying to kill him. And we know this. Everyone knows this. And it makes sense, whether it's through the mob, through, you know, spies and mistresses trying to poison him. One of the things they were working on was this very fast acting cancer. And they wanted to weaponize cancer, which is so unethical. <laughs> right. And, and again, I could refer back to your books about the unethical nature of these people and government and everything. <laughs> but it's right. they were right. doing it. And they were doing it and they had their people in place. And Mary Sherman, who was a brilliant doctor in her own right, uh, and she was supposedly heading this up for Ashner and had so she had CIA people helping with the research. Uh, Judith, according to Judith, if you believe her or not, she was part of that as up there working on that stuff, not knowing exactly what she was working on until later when she found out and she found out because what they were doing is they were testing this stuff on convicts who were in uh, oh, it's that famous penitentiary in Louisiana. They were using those guys. They went to the mm-hmm. hospital there and they were giving them these shots of this very, very aggressive cancer without them knowing it. So again, very immoral, but the CIA was doing a lot of this stuff and they didn't Yeah, well, you you know, know. crimes and cover-ups, I I had a whole timeline of the 20th century they were doing that kind of stuff to prisoners and orphans and mental patients, you know, they're most vulnerable. Yeah, so they were doing this, constantly injecting them with syphilis and so Jack (laughs) Jack Ruby claimed he was injected with cancer cells and a lot of us, uh, you know, say, well, I think Jack was onto something there. He got it pretty fast, you know. Yeah, he, he died very quickly. And you yeah. listen, will we ever know for sure? But I'll tell you what, it sounds like whatever they were trying to use on Castro, they used on Ruby. <laughs> so, you know, and, and again, yeah, I can't say yeah. for sure, but again, trying to connect the dots, just trying to connect some dots. But but anyway, so the whole, they had a, uh, oh gosh, uh, a uh, particle accelerator, nuclear particle accelerator in a building in Tulane University. These are very expensive machines, but they use that for cancer research. So apparently what happened to Dr. Sherman is she, that's how she died because when they found Mary Sherman in her apartment complex, which is by the way, where Victoria Sulzer lived and, and she saw Lee Harry Oswald come and go. She had no arm left. Her thigh, like her thigh and hip were gone. Basically, from a very, very, very high heat. And 
what they said happened in her, they said they, that she was killed in her apartment, stabbed in her apartment, and that her bed was smoldering when they got there, smoldering. Okay. She had no left side of her body left. Okay. And they, and when Ed did this incredible research and was like, well, a nuclear particle accelerator, if you get hit by that or, or electrocuted by it or whatever, that, that comes into your body, you're going to lose your arm. So she might've been, he puts it together really well. Uh, but they had to cover that murder up and they were working on this stuff. And at the same time, this doesn't include the stuff that was going on with Clay Shaw and David Ferry and Lee Oswald and right, the Cubans right. and, you know, and all this other stuff, the training that was going on there. So it, it's about, well, you know, one person told me, he, he said, New Orleans in 1963 was the Casablanca of the intelligence community, U.S. intelligence community, because of its location uh, and its proximity to Central and South America. Uh, it's not like that anymore, but in the early 60s, late 50s, New Orleans was in a, a very busy place when it came to U.S. intelligence. Absolutely. And I, 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 uh, I said for people to understand, just consider Dr. Mary Sherman. You know, doctors, obviously, they're not, not uh, they run in the upper class social circles. I mean, by nature of their work, all doctors make a good living. I, you know, outside of the Kennedy assassination and these kinds of topics, do, how many doctors do we know that die like that? I mean, that's a very violent way to go. I mean, that just doesn't usually happen. And that's, so I want people to consider when you doubt that these things are connected. And then talk about Nicholas Chetta, if you, if you know a little bit, because he, he was associated with that well, as well, too. And he was murdered as well, wasn't he? So this is all connected to the same little one part, one aspect of this entire huge Kennedy assassination thing. Right. And was Chetta, who was he again, Chetta? was the coroner. He was the coroner. Uh, and I think he was the coroner that, that did Mary, Mary Sherman's death. And then. Right. And then. He, he was later, I think, murdered. He's like, you know, he, again, how many coroners are murdered? You know, it's like, and he happened to be the coroner that, that did the report on, on on a doctor who died this bizarre way, too. I mean, you know, come on. It's That's a great point. I found that interesting but, uh, when we had our. When we had our interview, I thought that was a really great point that yeah, if you're in the mob, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But, you know, some of these mm -hmm. people who died had no business dying the way they died. No. And that's why you, I, I mean, you, you interviewed a lot of great people for the book. I don't I don't know that any of them are more um, pure on the subject of conspiracy than I am. I mean, because I, I still a lot of them have kind of maybe not the ones in your book, but other ones uh have, I call them neocons, where they don't, uh, they don't, they dismiss like the mysterious deaths and stuff like that. Like, Why would you do that? That was what that was one of the big things that drew people like me as a teenager to to uh, you know to uh, later to start looking at this stuff. Wow, that certainly seems strange, but I mean, because people don't usually die that way, and you see this kind of stuff connected to these kinds of cases and. And Hollywood, ironic. My book on Borrowed Fame is the same kind of thing. Hollywood's the only only one that has the same kind of body count. It's Hollywood and the politically corrupt world. Those are the ones. Raybo Ghosted, uh, good to see you there. And I don't know why Felix is asking who was Raul in Canada. You're talking about James O'Reilly right now, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, we get that, but I, I, don't, I don't think uh, uh, Jack wrote a book on that. But uh, And uh, Raybo is talking about my chair, too. Good to see you. And good to see Rhonda come over here 
I uh, love Rhonda, and she's uh, over here now because it seems to be getting more action. I looked over in Rockfin, and I'll look again, but they're they're mostly talking amongst themselves. They seem to get more questions or something. I mean, interrupt you. So, uh, so when you were doing your research. I'm losing you a little bit, Don. Okay, and it seemed to be having connecting problems again. Yeah, I don't understand two weeks now. I, I have new equipment. I don't know. I, I'm sure I'll get the, I don't know what's happening, but I, you know, I, I rebooted before the broadcast. I, I don't know. Go go ahead. Sorry. I don't know if you heard my question. Did you hear it? Uh, I mean, no, what, please. What surprised if you, can rip you the most when you were writing this book? Yeah. If, okay. when, when you were researching the book and writing it, what, what did you learn that surprised you the most? What surprised me the most was probably, first of all, the emotional, the amount of emotion that was in every interview. I thought there would be emotion in some of the interviews, but you're talking about every interview I did, there were visceral reactions to the questions I was asking and people care. I mean, it's just one of those hot button topics and, you know, whether you're a researcher or whoever you may be there, there were some just, uh, academics I talked to just to get a feel for the, uh, psychological aspects of this, uh, and what kind of, you know, why people would believe, uh, without questioning the government, the, uh, you know, the government's interpretation of what happened, you know, in the Warren commission report and, but everyone was emotional. Uh, there were a lot of people that started crying when I was interviewing them and, I was blown away by that. And I realized that I was onto something because it does still matter. This is why it still matters. And then I think the other thing that really, I was really surprised with is that how much I learned about Oswald, because I don't know if I learned that much more about Kennedy than I already knew. And I think because we all know so much about Kennedy as it is. But I wasn't expecting to get that much more information on Lee Harvey Oswald and certainly wasn't expecting 23 of the 24 people in the book to vehemently say uh, in no uncertain terms that he was a patsy. Not only was he a patsy, but then several others say he was trying. He wasn't an abort team. He was trying to stop it, and that's why he went and the whole hosty thing and the FBI and office in Dallas, and mm -hmm. he was trying to get a message. Absolutely, and he was. He was probably the one that warned of the attack uh, coming in Chicago. You know, they even had the uh, the name uh, uh, Lee. Right. So, I mean, it's it's it should be pretty obvious, but people. <laughs> I think Garrison got it right. Jim Jim Garrison got it right. I think that he he was, and I. I would extend what Garrison said that he was in, infiltrating a plot to kill the president. I think that whole group around him, the David Ferry, even maybe Clay, I'm not sure about Clay Shaw, because I think he was the leader of that group, but uh, certainly David Ferry, Jack Ruby, and all the anti-Castro Cubans, I think they were all being manipulated too. I think, and you know, we know Ruby was an FBI informant. I think they, who knows, they might've told all of them, Hey, you're infiltrating a, a, a plot to kill the president. I mean, that might be one way to control it. And they might've, who knows if they said that the clay shot as well, but I, I don't think they were the conspirators at all. I think that that was the ground level and they were all being manipulated. I'm not sure if you agree with that, but I think it's pretty obvious that this is, somebody was manipulating the events above them. Uh, 
Totally agree with that. And part of the FBI, uh, the CIA's modus operandi is to tell people to do things and it's need to know. So you only know that you're supposed to be at a certain place at a certain time and you're supposed to take a photo or you're supposed to deliver a package. And then most people don't know the whole story, right? It's plausible deniability. So they could, they were, they were masters at that. And people need to understand that the CIA during the Cold War, they were the best in the world at manipulating people, assassinating people. Uh, you know, I mean, they were they were pieces of work, these CIA. I mean, there was no accountability and they were really, really good at what they did. Make no mistake about it. So I think that's another thing I wanted to convey in my book through the interviews is that, hey, listen, the CIA in the 1950s and 60s basically did whatever the heck they wanted to do, and they were incredibly good at doing what they did. No, absolutely. So when, when you're, you said you've got nothing but good feedback from the book, uh, <clears throat> are you, has this made you more popular with your family and friends or are so they, so they're nuts. I mean, how, how, how do they, how do they treat you? Do they agree with you or do they try to argue with you? No, uh, I think so far, you know, and again, it's early on in the process. So we'll see, you know, ask me in three months, but no, they, they don't look at me differently because they, they also know what I was trying to do. I mean, I wasn't trying to solve the murder. I'm, I wasn't trying to, you know, I was just trying to get, uh, create, create this people's history that was very compelling and that would, maybe people would learn some things from it and then use that as a primer to go and do deeper research. So, but I think that, you know, it's funny, my dad's reading the book and he's, you know, he's oh, in his eighties okay. and he called me and he was, he was in early chapters and he's like, the book's really good, blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, but I have a question for you. And I'm like, what? Well, why was Oswald in Mexico city? And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that you haven't gotten to that part of the book yet. I mean, I, you know, like, but there's always that thing, right? It's like, I, and dad, I have no idea why Oswald was or wasn't in Mexico city. Right, you know, right, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot there in Mexico city, but we'll probably yeah. never know, but we do know some things uh, were false. I mean that, you know, that one guy that was shown supposedly to be Oswald yeah. was definitely it not Oswald. Like Oswald. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on there, but you know, he was asking me in chapter three where I don't think anyone talks about that until later on, but I was like, just keep reading, you know? And, and I said, when you're done with the book, then, you know, we'll talk about it, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer and I think that's what happens too. And you see this on the shows. People want answers, right? They they type in, right? And they're like, well, what about this? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I can't say for sure, you know, but but I think, you know, it, it's one of those things. And I don't blame people for wanting the answers, right? And uh, of course, we all want the answers, so. Right. And, and this is, you know, you're talking about, and then somebody who's commented on here on the 59th anniversary kind of, and it did. I mean, next six. The anniversary get a little bit more attention, but uh, <clears throat> my guess is they'll treat it like the 50th. If you remember what they did, they pretty much closed Dealey Plaza off. So for years, researchers have been going there when Penn Jones was alive and having a moment of silence and the kind of the conspiracy people ran things, but they stopped them. From, I mean, Alex Jones was running around the bullhorn trying to get in, but they uh, they they completely they, they have the court historians there. I'm afraid that's what's going to happen on the 60th. What, what I fear really, Jack, is that because uh, I know how much they lie about everything and how the court historians just, you know, they, they, they publish the truth. You know, history is written by the victors. And uh, in this case, we're never the victors. And uh, I, I, 
you know, I, I just think a hundred years from now, if they do a, a poll, assuming who knows what's going to happen if we're even here, but um, that uh, a public opinion polls will probably be overwhelmingly in favor of Oswald Dennis because all of us will be long gone and uh, they're already backtracking there. So what, I mean, people say, I, I just, I don't have any confidence in the truth because I know how they lie about everything. And this is just, this is an important issue with them. This is the the thing that really started off the modern era. The first uh, conspiracy, you know, became a, a, a key word, you know, associated with, with the Kennedy's assassination first. And so what do you, do you feel optimistic at all that uh, maybe we can fight against this entrenched, you know, uh, media and government that has this wall up that just won't let any truth through on the subject? No, I don't. I'm not optimistic. And, and it's one of the reasons I wrote the book because it has that kind of truth at this point needs between needs to be between you and yourself. I mean, it, you need to, yeah. it, I, I, you know, you know how that control is. And, and it's like, I tell people this because so some of my documentaries were about the UFO phenomena and the UFOs in the national security state, if you will, and that cover up kind of aspect of things. And people get all excited. They're like, Ooh, is disclosure coming? Is the government going to release those documents? And what I say is no, <laughs> I would not get excited about the government releasing anything that's going to prove that, oh, yeah, we knew about the existence of UFOs for 60 years right after World War II, and we've just right, been covering right. it up. But what I do believe, and I tell people this, disclosure is between us. The disclosure is what you know, uh, right? The research you do. And, and, and it's, it's coming to an understanding of getting back to the JFK assassination that we were lied to. Uh, there was a horrible, horrible deed, and there were elements of our government that were responsible for it. And we need to realize as a nation that we can't, it's a dark stain on us, and we have many dark stains on us as a country. And people need to get over, the, get over themselves and get over this idea of American exceptionalism and accept the fact that we are very flawed and that our government has been just as guilty of a lot of things as any country you could ever think of. And it's all about elitism, power, and control. And we have to do everything we can to learn the facts, learn the truth, keep open minds, be critical thinkers, and fight as much as we can fight. Absolutely. And that's it's it's. It's it's easy to get disillusioned, but uh, you, I think you know the truth in yourself. You can't you can't let them convince you. I mean, I I have uh, you know I just tell you what kind of impact I've had. You know, even before I got published or anything, I was ranting about this stuff from the time I was a teenager. You know, so I was volunteering <laughs> with Mark Lane's group as a teenager. So people heard uh, this was my issue forever, and then I started branching off into everything else. Okay, everything's a conspiracy, but for, for a long time it was just JFK. So I said, uh, Obviously, I didn't make too many converts because I have so these wonderful people all over the world that that that, that tell me you know, how much they like my work and everything, but nobody I know. And, and uh, you know, a lot of my family has canceled me. And uh, my own sister, I remember, you know, it, it, it hurt me when that Peter Jennings special in 2003, the 40th anniversary, horrible special that they used this clown, Dale Myers, who I had some run-ins with uh, on the uh, on the forums, who was you know an alleged believer in conspiracy that became a lone nutter, so he could help Bugliosi out in writing his book and not get credit for it. But anyway, this this guy, uh, it was a totally unimpressive thing, but it convinced her. She, came, I, I'm sorry, you've been wrong. He did it. I said, what? 
you know, I was crushed. I said, you know, I mean, I, I, what can I do? You can't, that's the power of the medium. So we, we can't fight that because we don't, we don't have anybody. There's nobody, none of, no television network is going to accept whatever platform Oliver Stone got on Showtime or whatever, but they're not going to have him on the, uh, you know, a big high profile show. I mean, how, how do we fight that? Cause that, that just showed me how <clears throat> ineffective my own ranting and raving had been. If, you know, if my own sister, you know, was persuaded by the idiot Peter Jennings I and mean, it's ridiculous. It is. And it's a shame. You know, you look back at, and you look at history and you look at who were the first people the Nazis got rid of. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the gypsies. It was the intellectuals. It was the yeah. college professors. It was the critical thinkers. <clears throat> Who were the first people that Pol Pot got rid of in Cambodia in the killing fields? It was the educated. And right. they don't want people to know anything. They don't want people to even learn history. And, and, I, and I feel like part of the problem, too, now is if you, ne you mentioned the phrase conspiracy theorists, it's like a negative thing. And I, I, I take a lot of time in, the, in my, uh, in my uh, introduction trying to talk about the fact that not all conspiracies are created equal and the fact that conspiracy and corruption and cover up, it occurs on every level of government all the time throughout history. And this is not something that should surprise us in any way. Now, if I was on here saying the earth was flat, yeah, give me a hard time for that. Absolutely. But we're not saying that. We're saying that here's what we're saying. Jack Ruby shooting Lee Harvey Oswald live on TV. It was a little weird. We're also saying right. that the single bullet theory is absolutely absurd in every right. way, shape and form. So, right. and there's a ton of other things we're saying. We're not, we're not crazy, you know? And I think in the end, we just can do what we can do. Don, I think, you know, it, God forbid, hopefully a long time from now, we're not on a deathbed. I just want to be able to say, you didn't pull one over on me. No, no, they, they're not fooling us. But I mean, and, and the problem is when you when you try to rate conspiracies or so by tier, what happens is that they have, uh, and that's why I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I know there, there's a growing flat Earth movement, there's a hollow Earth movement, there's a computer simulation movement, because young people especially realize they've been lied to about everything. So they don't trust, and I don't blame them. I don't trust anybody, right. you know? It's like, so what, <laughs> right. why would you trust these? I mean, why would you, I mean, if you're, if you're seeing Dan Rather or something and you know how much, I'm just using him as an example. His whole career was made out of being a local <laughs> CBS reporter in, da in Dallas. He gets on TV, lies about, he's seen the Zapruder film, JFK's head goes for all this lies. And his career was built on that. So why would you, to lie about something like that, why would you trust anything he said about anything? So right. That's that's where we're at. I think I, I don't blame people for <clears throat> having distrusted everything. Yeah. I mean, these people are shills, right? They're government shills, they're corporate shills. And it's right. a shame. Right. And, and you know what? It's interesting. You mentioned Dan Rather and Peter Jennings because they're both very guilty of that. One guy, though, and it's in the book and, uh, and the, the whole idea of Walter Cronkite was a very respected man. And I think he was a good man. I think Walt, someone a couple of people I interviewed mentioned this. They said they thought that Cronkite was a patriot first and that Con Con right. I'm sorry, Cronkite realized that if he, if it wasn't Oswald, if they didn't kind of go along with that and it was just him, that it, if it was the Cubans and or the Russians, that 
it, it, that would have been World War III, and that if it was some kind of government conspiracy, that it would destroy our country. So I think Cronkite, in his own way, was just trying to do the right thing for the country, and that maybe they thought because of national security, it was the right thing to do. Well, that that's the excuse they they also use that for Earl Warren too, and, and yeah, uh, but, right. Yeah, I, I have a because you know because Cronkite, you know, one of his lines from because uh, he hosted. Uh, <clears throat> The sixty, the sixty-seven awful uh, special, uh, where they tried to show that that Oswald could have done it, and all their tests showed he couldn't. But and they, he acknowledged <laughs> that. He said after the test, he goes, "Well, uh, some people might say, well, it looks like we didn't prove Oswald could have done it." And he actually looked at the camera and said, "But this was different. Oswald was shooting at his president." And the critics made fun of that forever. It's like, "Oh, okay. So when you shoot at the president, you get special accuracy or something." <clears throat> This is, and that's the problem is that and Cronkite, you know, I, he lived to be 90 some years old and I waited for, you know, and I thought, okay, you know, this, okay, you're 90 some years old at this point, you've lived a long life. You know, why are you still, and, and I think the last one he hosted was uh, the special who was Lee Harvey Oswald, I think, which was early nineties, uh, the uh, frontline special. Okay. Yes. Which still, they were actually the first one to show the photo of Oswald with Leo David Ferry in the uh, Civil Air Patrol. But they kind of glossed over that. Okay, well, just because he's in a, <laughs> but uh, it was still the same kind of thing. So I, I waited, you know, come on, Walter. At the end, you're, you're 90 some years old, dude. Just admit, okay, at least say maybe there was a conspiracy, but he wouldn't do it, man. And none of them do. They just don't do. I don't know if they sign a, you know, a pact with the devil or what. I don't know what the hell they do. But we've only got three minutes. I want to I make sure that you... Uh, Get a chance to uh, first of all, did I miss anything from the book that you think people should know about? That's really important. Well, I think as a whole, when people read this book, they're going to get a really, they're going to get new, fresh, compelling insight, and it's it's going to hopefully uh, trigger people to do more research. I I made it an easy read on purpose. It's a Q and a, you know, like I said, each, each chapter is an interview. I think the people I interviewed, every one of them, including yourself was absolutely perfect for this book. And, uh, so far from what I've been hearing that people have really been enjoying it. So, uh, you know, just, I try to do something that was a little different in my own small way. Uh, and now I'm thinking there, there could be a volume two in this because now some of the people I, I met at the conference sure. that weren't in the book are like, well, I, you know, I might want to be in a book like that, you know, cause you know, that yeah, goes with sure, the researchers. Sure, yeah. Sure. So, uh, sure, but you sure. know, we'll see, I, I got, I got to promote this one first. So I'm going to take a little break, but, uh, no, you know, I just think, I hope people enjoy it. Cause I, I wrote it for that purpose. I wanted it to be a fairly easy read where people can learn, uh, new stuff and interesting stuff and and it, it's f to be a, a a nice book to read for people well it it is that it's a read and and, and it's it's because it, you'll like to hear all these uh, people that uh, a lot of them like i said the two women i mentioned i i'd never heard from them so it's very interesting to to, to read anecdote you know evidence but what i i've been interviewed i've been on so many shows but one thing one i had not been on and I was a little envious. How did you get on Jenny McCarthy's show? Oh, well, that was, was that about for this book? no, uh, she doesn't have a show anymore. Oh, okay, uh, that okay. show that she was on is oh, okay. so I, okay. that was 
Yeah, that was for our second documentary, uh, which was on again UFOs oh, okay. and the national okay. security state kind of stuff and and that kind of thing. And she was delightful. I mean, that was we went up to New York, met her. You know, we were in the studio, so that was really cool. Uh, but no, we did not get on that for this. Obviously, there she has nothing right now. She's planning to do some more stuff in the near future, but not right now. Uh, but you know, again, I'm trying to get on everything I can get on. I, I'd love to get on Joe Rogan, but that's hard sure. to get on too. So. You know, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, just to get the, just to, <laughs> yeah. just to get the word out, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not solving the murder. I'm exposing some things based on my, on the interviews. I think that people don't know about, yeah. and like you said, you know, this stuff and you, there's still stuff in the book that you're like, well, I didn't know that. But I think for most people, every chapter, mm -hmm. like a buddy might call me, he goes, I'm on chapter three and I didn't know any of this. And I'm like, well, now, you know, <laughs> you know, now, you know. Yeah, no, it's, 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 people should read it. And uh, so give the, give the title of the book again, tell people how they can contact you or where they can find you anything you want to promote. Thank you. Uh, yes, it's called killing Kennedy, exposing the plot, the cover up, and the consequences. And it's, uh, by me, Jack Roth. And I also, you can go to Amazon and get it. And you can also go, I have an, uh, an author page, a website, jackrothauthor.com. And then you can click on however you want to buy the book. There's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, a couple other ones. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and you can contact me through my, through that website. And I'm glad to, you know, converse with anyone about this, uh, because I love it. And I think it's important to keep conversations going. Oh, absolutely. And, and there's, and you, you could read a chapter, about me in there. If you if you need any extra incentive to buy it, Jack, I, I appreciate it. Good luck with the book. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, you'll, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, sir. Thank, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Let's see if this thing. All right. So I'm sorry about this uh, again. Folks. So uh, look into YouTube. Right. I, I certainly have trouble with it. <clears throat> Australian Ben, good to see you here. And uh, so we have at least two people in Australia listening. <clears throat> we have Jonathan Hale in here. That's that's really cool. I mean, William Hale. Let's see. We got uh, Chris. I didn't I didn't ask all your questions because uh, I don't I don't know how much guys he, he didn't really cover that stuff in the book, and he didn't talk to anybody that that um, that witnessed it. But you're certainly talking about the seizure. There was a, you know, for people know how deep this goes. The JFK assassination, the reason it's intrigued me for so long, has intrigued so many people, is because there's so many elements to it. There's the fake epileptic seizure. I mean, you know, everybody pretty much acknowledges that it was fake, where a young man had a, an epileptic seizure in front of, uh, right, you know, right in front of the depository building, shortly before the motorcade distracted people. So people getting into position or whatever thing would have been, uh, <clears throat> had some good cover there. 
Uh, pools of blood. Well, I know there there was one pool of blood over by the pergola, not far from where Abraham Abraham Zapruder was filming. It's another one of those intriguing things. You have witnesses that saw it, and you have one witness that went over and you know this is 1963. I guess they didn't care about germs then, but he reached down and stuck his finger in it and tasted it and said it was blood. So <laughs> you're a better man than doing that. Uh, backup shooters at Love Field again. There's there's talk about that. There's talk about uh, Harry Weatherford, a deputy that was on the roof of a building. I mean, I, I don't know. And the a trademark, I you know, I'm not sure they had anything back. I think they were planning to get him before the trademark. Um, the power down in D.C., you know, they've tried to claim that didn't actually happen. I, I don't know. I'm not sure of that. But it is interesting that the same thing happened after the Lincoln assassination where the, the telegraph wires were uh, were down for a while. Uh, and says uh, the truth can, uh, Australian Ben says the truth about who executed JFK can never be told just the truth about 9-11 can't be revealed. If it was America, it would be an all-out rebellion by midday. Well, I'd like to think that, Ben, but <clears throat> we don't have a rebellious lot here in America right now. Uh, <clears throat> but the thing is about, and I call it a domino theory, is that any of these issues, JFK assassination, and go all the way you know, to much more modern issues like 2020 election fraud, 2024 election fraud, any of these things, if they could be exposed for what they are, then there's a domino effect. In the case of the election fraud, if you if you reveal it this year, then maybe it goes backwards to 2020. Then maybe you start you know looking at uh, you know what happened to Ron Paul in the 2020 primaries and things like that. Outright fraud. Uh, <clears throat> if you look at things like trying to find out the you know the the, the all the chicanery with Hillary Clinton and everything. Well, you know the murder of Seth Rich, something like. Like that, that, that which is, is being prosecuted, and uh, why the Russian gate came out of uh, you know her head is just an absurd. Uh, all these things are connected. JFK assassination, obviously, the dominoes go forward because uh, if JFK hadn't have been assassinated, RFK never would have been. Teddy wouldn't have been set up at Chappaquiddick, as I believe he was, and um, John F. Kennedy Jr. would not have been assassinated. And I believe that he definitely was. If you read my work, you know how much time and effort I put into that. Um, Ukraine made most folks forget about the COVID jabs within 48 hours. Well, you know, Ukraine is uh, such a giant distraction. I mean, uh, White Wolf is asking, uh, Sir, Sir, you know, Sterling Seagrave. I think Sterling Seagrave is somebody I used to... Uh, I used to be connected to somewhere. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I on the floor. I recognize that name. I don't know. Is Sterling still with us? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Sam's Bodhi Tree. Hey, good to see you. Um, the average attention sheep has an attention span of about five minutes. That's true, White Wolf. There's if if that. Uh, let's see what I missed here. Anybody else? The sheep one princess Sarah Slaughter. Doug Waters is here. Good to see you. Connection breaking up bad. I guess it's still, and again, I apologize. I don't know what's going on with my connection. Uh, <clears throat> thanks to you folks out there and your, uh, and your tips. Uh, I was able to get a uh, new laptop and a new webcam. I, I don't know why my connection, went, it, it has been fine. So the last few weeks, I don't know. Nothing has changed on my computer. I uh, cleared the cash out, did all that stuff. And, uh, Rhonda says she's lost it. Wisewell says it has to be the Russians. Well, yeah, maybe so. But Rhonda's got it back. That's good. 
Uh, well, hopefully it's it's good enough for you to to be able to listen to it. But again, I, I pause. Cyber Camp, good to see you here. Uh, <laughs> Rainbow says Teddy get, never gets the door for his date. Well, in that case, I don't think he was in the car. And if you listen to my uh, Chris Buckens, it's the NSA. Wouldn't doubt it. If you listen to my space, we had a really good space the other night. Uh, first Twitter spaces I've done in a while. I was uh, heartened by it because I'd gotten a little disillusioned because it seemed like I wasn't getting as many people uh, interested. But uh, we did it on the JFK assassination. So we had, you know, 260 some people tuning in, which is pretty good. And uh, <clears throat> so I uh, several speakers. And again, it's like this. And I thank to my friend, Australian Ben, who uh, turned me on to Twitter spaces. So I you know, and for a while, I was really loving it at first, but then I got demoralized because uh, it seemed like they were messing with that too. You know, they, they, my shadow ban and everything seems to, I, I, according, I think it was, uh, was it Felix or something we posted earlier about, uh, Elon Musk now has come out and said, oh, I don't know. But uh, not only is uh, you, you can't discuss the Holocaust, but it was a couple other things, too. And, uh, I, and of course, you, you know he's already said to Alex Jones that uh, he's not welcome back there because he uh, lied to his pants. And then he compared himself ludicrously. He compared himself to Jesus. And Jesus talking about whosoever does uh, these things, these little children like committed the greatest sin of all, which I agree with. But uh, – <clears throat> Apparently he's, you know, you know, why doesn't he banned every everyone from that new, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, folks, um, that company CN, whatever that new company is that has the teddy bears with the bondage teddy bears with the little girls, and he's like, oh, what? You know, you can't can't even imagine what these people are doing. I don't, I don't know who, who think even even if you're into that stuff, I, I I don't. It must be some kind of weird thing where they have to advertise that they're doing it i mean if, if you really were doing stuff to little girls with the bondage and somehow involving teddy bears I, again i can't even imagine what how this you know happens but why do you feel the need to to advertise it but they seem to and i guess it's thing i think it's it goes along this occult thing of uh they have to tell you what they're doing so i guess even no matter how perverted it is they have to tell you what they're doing so it's it's very but it's very disturbing to see what that 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 company's doing and I don't think Elon Musk has banned them has he? Uh, so and I've I've challenged of course Elon Musk doesn't know who the hell I am but sometimes he answers the tweets so maybe he'll answer to mine but I I you know I pointed out to him you know you, I thought you were for free speech you know, free speech is free speech that means Alex Jones that means anything and uh, he uh, didn't answer so very it's very distressing that. Uh, Apparently, uh, you know, apparently, I mean, again, I, I understood it's just like Trump or anybody. You, you, you look at the background of these people and you realize, okay, they're, these are not white hats, but he made such a big deal out of, you know, free speech, free speech, and to see him back down so quickly, uh, I don't know. Elon Musk will save us, White Will says, that's right. And Rabo says, probably Kim Kardashian buys it. Well, I don't know. Maybe Kim Kardashian's more for free speech. I, I don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know what it is, um, but though so I don't know, very. Uh, so this has been a, obviously this is a uh, um, the most wonderful time of the year, as they say. And I, this time of the year, I still get uh, 
very sentimental and my spirits are lifted because I, I, I just, you know, Thanksgiving's great. And, uh, from then on the Christmas, I mean, I'm one of these people. I love the Christmas lights. I love the Christmas music. And I don't understand why so many grumpy people, oh, they already sh Christmas lights are already up and too early. And my Christmas, now I, I would get mad that they take them down so quick. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be adverse to them keeping up all year long. And the, thing, and the thing about the Christmas season is regardless if it's phony and if it's a pagan ritual, all this, all the criticisms you, you hear um, about it. There's, it's undeniable that you see the best in humanity around Christmas, whether it's phony or not. This is as generous as most people get in terms of uh, spirit, in terms of actually financial things as well. Uh, it's never going to be better than it is at the Christmas season, the gift, you know, the season of giving and all that. And uh, people actually watch a Christmas carol and they they absorb the message briefly or they watch It's a Wonderful Life and they observe the message briefly, but at least for a little bit of time there. They're nicer, but uh, I don't know, you know, with COVID and everything, how, uh, how much that has, uh, how much is, uh, you know, really has affected that, obviously. It happened to Miracle 34, so you're certainly supposed to be the most one. Well, you know, and, and you know, again, Miracle, those are the fantasies I like. I, I like those things. All these things by Madison Avenue. Absolutely. There's no question about that. It is. But, I mean, they're bringing us messages all year, right? So, uh you know, why, why not? You know, it, it brings us some good messages. Uh, Chris says, I should do a space then at RFK, JFK. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, I just kind of did that. I don't know if I can, I can do it. And, uh, and I, uh, probably, you know, I'll do one next week. I think I don't, I don't want to, uh, to wear out my welcome and, and uh, kill my, uh, my, my good, uh, my, my, my good streak here. I had, uh, Whitewell says the real Christmas season begins on December 25th, continues through February 2nd, Feast of the Purification. Okay, well, I didn't, I'm not sure about that, but um, so, um, but anyway, so I, I, I don't, so this time of year, and, and you know, the JFK assassination is, is uh, you know, this, it's, I'm associating it with, with Thanksgiving, obviously, because it's always there. White Wolf says uh, Thanksgiving is a Puritan holiday. Inaugurated as a substitute for Christmas. I didn't. I didn't know that it's a substitute for Christmas. Okay, and but again, and you people that were raining on Thanksgiving and all the what about the indigenous people and the way they treated them? And again, it's just it's just so stupid. It's a time. It used to be a time where uh, family maybe they hadn't seen each other all year, Thanksgiving and Christmas optimally. But usually, if you have relatives, and unfortunately, that's you know, families have been splitting up for a long while because. Again, the media preaches that most somewhere else, you know, so you can't think of your parents, you know, that's, that, that's the message that they sent out for decades. So people, people absorb the messages. And uh, so you see them at Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas too. And so it's a, a good time. So whatever the reason for the holiday and is it, you know, is it anything bad to get together? And, you know, most, most people, it's the only time they say grace before a meal and, and uh, give thanks and feel thankful at least for one day. I, I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Cyber camp. Good to see you. You have your own spaceship cockiness comes to the territory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's cocky. All right. William Hale from Sydney, Australia. Be thankful every day. I reckon. Well, we should, shouldn't we? But, you know, we're all, we all take things for granted, obviously. And I certainly do. And uh, it's, uh, but it's, you know, it's talking in, in, about these things and writing about these things. It's, 
to have as a feeling negative things kind of figure out who uh, uh, let's see Tom Cooper's there little John any word good to see you over there and there's Jason I don't think I've seen you uh, last year and, and you know whose name is I I've noticed I haven't seen Stephanie Green's name for a while over here and anybody know has anybody heard from Stephanie <clears throat> I'm wondering uh she used to be kind of a staple here. Marsh Wiggle, good to see you. Says they do the perverse and demented because they are moving the line of what is taboo. A absolutely. And they definitely are doing that. <clears throat> they have definitely moved it. And uh, it's, um, let's see, uh, I'll Tim for a second. I'm on the same list as Tony and Don. Jason's on on my list. Have fun with that. It's fun nonetheless. You know, I've been on these lists since, <clears throat> God, probably the, the, the 80s at least when I was, you know, mailing away uh, before the internet. Uh, Tom says, I'm probably being throttled by my IP provider. Well, I wouldn't do it. Tom Cooper. And um, Chris, is any updates on the good folks for Hidden History 3 and 4? I'm asking the truth. Paul is dead. The simulator's things in the works um the uh the, the book on the beatles with my friend bob wilson that's done that's and that's going to be published we have a publisher for that so uh that'll be out whenever that'll probably come out first of all the other things and uh the um the book on the pandemic masking the truth that's close to being done i'm going over it again probably one more time and then i have a publisher for that too and that so that'll probably be coming out second hidden history three is still with skyhorse I have not heard uh, from them, so I'll have to probably, which is typical. That has happened pretty much with every one of my books. And uh, probably have to ping them again and see. Hopefully, they will, uh, because Tony Lyons, who president of Sky Horse, he's now becoming, you know, he's on uh, Tucker Carlson all the time. So hopefully, maybe, <laughs> maybe he can get me on there. I don't know. Um let me see if they have here. Wise Wolf says there's a season of Advent, which precedes Christmas. We should be doing penance. White Wolf sounds like a Catholic. Those are Catholics, and I certainly hear about that. I, I still observe Lent. I don't you know. I I was used to tell my kids, and you know what? Is it hurt to sacrifice for 40 days? I mean, give up cookies or something, you know? And of course, they would always say, I'm giving up vegetables now. I'm giving up broccoli now. No, it's not the way it works. <laughs> you have something good. Doug Water says, Jay Edgar Hoover would be very much at home in this world. He absolutely would. I mean, Jay Edgar Hoover, where, where's Jay Edgar now that we've Well, actually, maybe he could come out of the closet, too. And uh, maybe he'd get a good reputation amongst the woke left because he could come out as uh, yeah, transgender, which he seemingly was. And, and uh, we've got the Santa Claus coming to town. Grandma got run over by her. Absolutely got all the Christmas songs there. Um no, Hoover would, and Hoover, but Hoover couldn't hold a candle to Christopher Ray or Comey or any of these people that are in the epi. I mean, Hoover was bad, but uh, you know, remember he was he, when he was there. You had the no-knock raids yet, and now they're all the rage, and you know that became popularized in the eighties. And the uh, the right wingers, you know, the, the 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 Reagan lovers who wanted to limit government. For some reason, they didn't find any kind of conflict in that and giving government the power to conduct no-knock raids. And SWAT teams became popular. And now they're everywhere. Now, and now that the 
it was bad enough when the right really loved these things, but the uh, the left, the woke left, uses it way more against to uh, against their political opponents. White Wolf says he's a supporter, proud supporter of the good old time Catholic religion. Before the reforms are back, oh, oh, there you go. You were going to Mel Gibson's church, right? You know, and there's a you know there's a uh, Catholic church in Washington D.C. I think it's St. Mary's. I never went to it, but I mean, I was obviously a Catholic, but. Um, I used to know, um, before I was published, one of my fans at that time, before I really had fans, but she was a, a much older lady. I don't know. Maybe she, she liked me. I don't know. But she worked at the hospital I worked at, and she was, um, she was into conspiracy. So I thought it was really cool that this little old lady was into stuff. She used to see like a Freemason behind every tree and that kind of stuff. She was very, very Catholic. She used to try to get me, go to Mass more often, don't you? You know, she had kind of an Irish brogue. And she... Uh, but she went to church uh, where Pat Buchanan, she knew Pat Buchanan and his wife. And uh, they went to a church, St. Mary's, that uh, did, still did the mass in Latin. So basically they weren't really uh, you know, observing the changes in Vatican II. And I still, I, I'm old enough to remember some really little kids, Domine, Domine, Domine. You know, remember when they did the mass in Latin and there was, uh, you know, something beautiful about it. You know, it was like more of a uh, ritualistic thing, but there were, it had, you know, certainly better than the, by the time as a teenager, uh, when I was still going to mass uh, regularly, they had the folk mass. And I kind of liked it because I was just learning how to play the guitar. And uh, they would sing, you know, songs like Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Teach Your Children. So it was kind of cool to hear those songs in the church. But, you know, it wasn't, didn't have quite the same impact as uh, as Latin and classic uh, hymns. Chris Grace said, if you read Cameron's great new Roger Craig JFK novel, The Deputy, when will Mr. Cameron grace the I-Protest Airways? And congrats to Stephen Lanny, new gig on a major Hollywood project. Yeah, he's got to tell me. He's keeping me hanging. I hope I find out who that is. And yeah, Steve Cameron, great friend, and he's been on the show several times. Yeah, I'll have to have him back on about that. Uh, definitely. Anyone know what favor Vince Agnelli wanted to ask of me earlier? I don't know. Oh, sorry. I Gibson, yeah, oh, and Mel Gibson is, uh, you know, most people don't know Mel Gibson is, you know, it's he, he and his, uh, his dad. I mean, they, his dad Hutton Gibson, and I've talked about this before. He was an amazing guy, big time Holocaust denier, as they would say. Um, he, brilliant man. I mean, he, he, for some reason, I was on his email list for a long time. I still have all those emails, and he answered me a couple of times. But he, uh, he lived to be, I think, a hundred. <clears throat> something like maybe maybe over a hundred and uh, just died a few years ago but he was uh unbelievable he was so knowledgeable about catholic and he, he called every pope you know since uh uh john the uh 23rd who was the presider and really hated him but he called them all phony the frauds guy most of me think of this pope francis character because i think he probably died before he came in but he uh I didn't understand half what he was writing about. It was just brilliant. But he is, he is, he, he was, and, you know, so, and Joe Gibson is, you know, this is a guy who's an unreconstructed Catholic. He doesn't even, uh, if you're not a Catholic, you understand how out there that is. Uh, they're making a list and checking to what I else. I have any questions here that I miss. Uh, dancing Israeli. There's a 
White Wolf, I like this, this Catholic White Wolf. Foundation of my faith and action is Our Lady of Fatima, a conspiracy theorist. When the banksters, yeah, met to finalize their World War II on January 25th, 1938, Our Lady broadcast it too. You know, um, it's amazing that Hollywood made that movie with, I think, Ricardo Montalban. And, uh, but yeah, that's one of the, uh, really, you know, people that want like uh, <clears throat> proof of faith. Uh, look, look in to that it's really incredible you know three little portuguese children who were, were, were jailed you know they were they were uh, tormented for saying that they had seen uh the virgin mary and that she was going to give them three secrets now the first secret i think was world war one the first secret no first one of the secrets of world war ii she predicted and the third secret has supposedly never been revealed but uh uh and the pope supposedly at that time we saw it faded when he saw it so it's a very you know kind of scary thing but um when she came the last time, there was a, there were mirror. It was a miracle. Like the sun danced around the sky. You had thousands of people that witnessed it. Um, so look into that. It's, it's a very pretty thing because they explain it. Uh, Pope Francis, uh, Rabo says all he heard was Mel Gibson. Well, Mel, Mel Gibson again. Right? Mel Gibson started his own church out there. I mean, first of all, how many Catholics are in Hollywood? Not very many have ever been, but. To have a Catholic out there that doesn't observe Vatican II, I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> you want to know why Mel Gibson was uh, has been uh, attacked so much, not only because, and, and think about it, the people knew what his dad was. His dad was very outspoken about the Holocaust, and they asked Mel about it, and, you know, Mel, unlike almost everybody else, he really, he you know, most people would say, well, you know, that's, that's, you know, he's, he believes what he believes. That doesn't mean I accept it. But he said, uh, he's my dad and my dad never lied to me. That's what he said. And he said, he said, millions of people died during World War II. Some of them were Jews. My dad never lied to me. So I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty strong answer. And uh, Mel, Mel, and I thought, I, do we know, is, is the movie about the Rothschilds still on? They're going to make a movie about the Rothschilds, which was pretty pretty amazing uh white was says actually pope benedict is still the pope but he's a coward yeah i mean that that whole thing was just bizarre i mean the pope resigning and he still still makes no sense and of course you go back to pope john paul the first and you know if you read that uh, i don't think there's any doubt he was assassinated uh, uh well says the hollywood movies i only know of one or somewhat of distortion but i i'm just amazed it got made at all i mean that's pretty really amazing considering the subject John Bassigal, good to see you, John Bassigal. Uh, Gibson's father was an early pursuer of the truth. He knew Vietnam was a crack. You know, and you look and Hutton Gibson, um, you know, Chris Graves and I talked about, I talked about this with a lot of you. You know, our, our employment market doesn't uh, always get, uh, doesn't match up people's skills or abilities, you know, with any kind of uh, lucrative career, that's for sure. I mean, I've met brilliant people that were mopping floors for a living back in the day. And, uh, Lots of stupid people that were vice presidents in charge of looking out the window. So, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it's it's not that. Maybe it's a little ambition or whatever. But uh, Hutton Gibson was one of those guys. He was brilliant, and he he made uh, what was a fortune at the time on Jeopardy back in the 1960s. He was a contestant on Jeopardy, and he made enough money there where he moved his. And he also had like a, I think he worked. Uh, for some kind of uh, a mass transit, some kind of a loop about that too. So 
he uh, moved his family to Australia. That's where I met, and uh, that's where they, you know, were raised. But uh, that's where he made his money, Jeopardy. And uh, said, if you read, if you read this guy's work, he should have been some kind of a, you know, a philosopher or something. He was really, really brilliant. And uh, I would have loved to. If I didn't have a show. I don't think when he's alive, I would have loved to have tried to get him on the show. I don't know if he would have done it, but man, he was really, uh, really brilliant. And uh, Mel stood by him. Okay. Uh, William Hale says, listen to a 432 HC music. If you know about the Schumann resist residence, it, it helps mentally dealing with all this darkness. Okay. Well, I have to, I do love music and, uh, a lot. Doug Water says he used to believe in Fatima. Now I think it's lying signs and wonders. Well, I don't know. And Chris goes, Charles Drago's mailing list is the worst name for a punk band since. <laughs> <laughs> Does Charles Drago have a mailing list? For those of you who know who Charles Drago is, he's uh, one of my friends in the JFK Assassination Research Committee. He's, he's one of these guys that irrationally hates me. You'd have to ask him why. He's a curmudgeon up in Massachusetts. Maybe, hey, Chris, maybe you can go see him. He's in Massachusetts somewhere. Um, White Wolf says, the third secret has to do with the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, which is probably the new mass promulgated by Pope Paul VI. Well, I don't know. I would hope the the third secret was something more significant than the new mass. I don't know, but uh, who knows? A lot of people thought at the end of the world, well, at this point, which we should be rolling towards looking at events, Fatima was used to propagate anti-communism. That's why the movies, yeah, and you're right. That's what people get out of it. It was, it was, it was a show uh, that the communists were the bad guys liking them up. Our lady, here you go, Doug. It said, uh, our lady should have spoken about molestation of children by priests. Yeah, I mean, and that's that my friend, Bob Wilson can talk a lot about that. That's uh you know, there's, um, I don't think it'd be a greater, I mean, just a greater betrayal. I mean, that you're, it's one thing to have any adult molest a kid, but that's bad enough. But when you're, you have taken a vow of celibacy. So that means you're not going to deal with, you know, you're, you're, I think uh, Norm Macdonald commented about that. You know, you can resist these, these hot babes, but I can't resist the altar boys. I mean, okay. I mean, this, you know, if you've taken a vow to that, I mean, and and how do you go out and, you know, the, the average child molester probably doesn't, uh, you know, preach the gospel or talk about, you know, being, you're, you're trying to act holier than thou. These guys, obviously, that's their job. That's what they do. So, I, I again, I don't understand. To me, it's, it gives new meaning to hypocrisy. I don't know how they live with themselves. I don't. Yeah, Bravo says Fetterman is underqualified for that. Yeah, I don't know. Fetterman may be one of the people who could not be vice president in charge of looking at the window. I'm not sure. I haven't met too many people that couldn't. <laughs> oh, there we have Fil filter the noise. Oh, God. That's good. That, may God bless you. Funny, not how all this works. Thank you, filter the noise. Good to see you here. Uh, let's see, Crooked. The fat man used to have Hutton Gibson on his show a lot when he was like, really? I didn't know that, Chris. He had Hutton Gibson on? I'm sure they didn't talk about Jews. I can't imagine Alex getting into that area. That, that was his wheelhouse issue. White Wolf says he was mainly right on the target. He was. I mean, he was he just he was brilliant. I mean, he really was. I'm trying to get through. We got lots of comments here. Uh Chris says, the Catholic priest that's been on rents a few times talking about the third secret, he said it has to do with the Ukraine being used to start World War III. Yeah, I mean, lots of people, a lot of people think it has to do with Russia, that Russia will be 
converted or something like that, or Russia went away when she became a communist. Uh, let's see here. Donald Jeffrey's Peter Seacash radio show on the upcoming Free World FM sounds like a historical pop cultural slam dunk. <laughs> Am I going to host a show with Peter Seacash? I didn't know. <laughs> he, uh, I don't know if Peter had uh, aspirations for that, but certainly I love Peter. Big fan of him. One of the three searchers. Um, Chris says, didn't Charles Drago fight Rocky Balboa? No, I don't think so. Maybe in his mind. I don't know. <laughs> Protestants have absolutely no understanding of the significance of the Mass nor the role of Our Lady, but I guarantee that any Protestant makes it to heaven, they will thank Our Lady. Why, why, I, I love the kidney again. I was raised a Catholic, so I have um, I have strong feelings there, but it's certainly there's, uh, I, I think all organized religion is uh, has a lot of corruption to it. And uh, I said the other day, I was writing on there, I don't, I don't think uh, in general Christianity is an organized religion has been a, um, a good uh, promoter of uh, Christianity because I don't think they've done a, guy, a good job of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, somebody's come back from I don't hardly any likes over here that's commenting on that. What's up? Well, I got another tip here. Let's see if you tipped me over here. Free Tiger. Good seeing you here. Angry Tiger, very nice. Sent me a very kind uh, and, um, note on the It's fantastic. Angry Tiger, of course, the tip. I appreciate it. Um, see what I mean? Um, But you know, there's not a lot of Catholics uh, anywhere. Because I mean, I I found out you know in my family, I have a huge family, and it's mostly Catholic. Although I've pointed out, you know, people want me to talk about the Jews, that uh, you know this is um, this is a complex issue now because there aren't. What does it mean to be a Jew? Most of I mean, I'm not Jewish to my knowledge. I don't have any Jewish blood that I know of. But my, most of my relatives are part Jewish. And that's because I've explained it. My mother's sister married a Jew who converted to Catholicism and they raised all their kids Catholic. And uh, they had 11 kids and two of their, two of those kids had seven each. So we used to go every year to a, my kids were little, they were mesmerized by it. Cause I, we'd go to this farm, 250 acre farm out in the country and uh, hundreds and hundreds of people. And I, I used to tell them that everyone here is related to you. And uh, it was pretty cool because I, you know, I know half of them, but pretty much all of them were partially Jewish. So what does that mean? Are they, I don't know. See, that's why I say when you get into that thing, when you paint with such a broad brush. And uh, so I think we need to be careful of that. And uh, certainly, as I said, obviously, we the disproportionate influences, you know, there's there, there has to be some reason why the president of every network has always been Jewish, every television network, the president of every major Hollywood studio, except for Walt Disney and uh, I think Daryl Zanuck initially were Jewish and have been ever since. Um, that would, you know, that would, uh, I think that, you know, that's that's a perfectly appropriate question to ask, the disparate influence in the industry. But uh, again, you two, what, what does it mean? Because there are lots and lots of people now that are, are, are mixed in with other religions. Uh, let's see, White Wolf says, 
Our Lady Fana of La Salette said that Rome, the Vatican, will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. Well, that that I think that's happening. Maybe I don't know. I, I've said you know it used to be one of the uh, one of the most likely you'd say, "Well, it's a bear shit in the woods." Does Popeye eat spinach? And is the Pope Catholic? Well, at this point, Popeye may still like spinach, but I I don't know that the Pope is. Do we know that the Pope is Catholic? I don't know this particular Pope. Chris Grant says that John Jeffries, Peter C. Gosh, John Jeffries radio joint will be gold too. Okay. okay. I'll have to ask my, if John, I'm sure he'd probably like that. I don't, I don't know if Peter's up for that. Uh, maybe Chris Graves can be there instead. Um, Doug says, uh, Doug Walter says, have I ever covered the Aero air disaster from 1985? I, that doesn't ring a bell to me. Maybe leave a, 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 a little more details than, or maybe Chris Graves. I'm sure he's heard of it. I have not heard of that. I'm, in the 80s, uh, you know, I'm thinking Lockerbie. Uh, I, I don't remember anything about an Aero Air disaster. Um, uh, let's see here. Chris Bucket, know anything about Judaism other than getting bar mitzvah? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, none, none of the, none of my relatives got. But I, I think there's one one of my cousins that took his. Uh, pre-Jewish name. I mean, took his original Jewish name back. And he think he's in a gay marriage too. So, you know, he's what he is. But he's the only one I know that, you know, all the rest of them are Catholics or fallen Catholics. Like, you know, I call myself. I mean, I, <clears throat> there's, uh, again, I have hundreds and hundreds of relatives. I, I don't know any of them that go to mass regularly. That's a feature of the Catholic, modern Catholic religion. You get raised that way as we did our kids and they go through the whole thing through confirmation. And then uh, most of the time they don't go back to mass. Uh, suffering experienced by many. So it is filled with noise says uh, denunciation is stark. You think you're a place to judge. Hmm, I wonder. Well, I mean, that, and that's why, you know, you get that argument all the time that uh, people, you know, why, why have so many people suffer and everything? And I, I can't answer those questions. Oh, Chris says Peter Seacosh wanted me to obtain. So Peter knows about it. Okay, we'll have to ask Peter, I guess, then. Uh, Doug says the largest, it's the largest loss of life in the U.S. military in terms of an airplane. Okay, I I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, it, 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 I mean, it took place in any period, really, it's ripe for a cover up because that's, you know, that's all they do is cover these things up. But I, I confess, I'm sorry, I know about most of these things. Plane was supposedly carried right. Material and weapons, but I um, am not. Uh, and there's an Iran Contra connection that's been alleged. Well, John Blasingalon says, I think this would be a great topic to discuss when we see each other at the next Donald Jeffries meet and greet. <laughs> Arrow Air was the contact DC 8 flying out of Canada that went down under suspicion. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, you know, the closest thing we have to a Donald Jeffries meet and greet or uh, Twitter space is when I do them. So if you're on Twitter, find me over there, follow me, and uh, look for. Upcoming things is anybody can come in, and even before Elon Musk, and uh, you know, everybody admitted admittedly there was censorship ruling the roost there for some reason. Twitter spaces, and again, I thank my friend Australian Ben for uh letting me know about it. Uh, for whatever reason, Twitter spaces never uh censored anything, so you could say whatever the hell you want in there. Um, let's see, uh. Phil Illinois says, how to feed on ego. Good night. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I don't know what that means, but thanks for being here, Phil. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're referring 
I'm seeing there. Questions, rather, because there's a lot of questions here. Is that the one that crashed in late oh, 19? The pilot was Eugene Hassenfuss. I've heard that name, Eugene Hassenfuss. He's coming back from Egypt. Crashed shortly after taking off that refueling from Canada. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I'll have to get Chris Graves or Peter uh, on it because I, uh, I would. Um, I wish I knew more. And it said this would be great material for you, Dan. Well, I'll have to look into it. And, uh, you know, Hidden History 4, you know, that that's coming after that. And I, I'll, need, I'll need material for that. So and, uh, I get a lot of my material from the three searchers, two of whom are Chris Graves and Peter Seekeis. The third is Bob Wilson. So uh, I definitely do that. I have to figure out. Uh, and that's Hidden History 4 is going to deal primarily with uh, – with the Trump phenomenon and everything that's happened in the last few years. And I just realized it's like, God, there's so much to, to write about here. I mean, starting with, with the election of 2016 and then after how everything that happened, uh, the Trump's opponents, the whole Trumpenstein project, and then the election fraud and the, uh, uh, Epstein's, uh, you know, alleged suicide and John, uh, John McAfee's alleged suicide. I mean, so many of these things. That's rich. The unreal hidden history, hidden history conference, twenty twenty three. Oh yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I would. I would love that. But you know, since I'm a noted non traveler, you you people would have to come to me. It would have to be held in Northern Virginia. So I was. I've never, you know, never been a good traveler. Never. Really. And it's not because I don't like to see new things, but it's because wherever I go, I have to sleep, obviously, and I can't sleep in a strange bed. I just can't. And, um, you know, so that that's what, you know, although I managed to, you know, we went to Disney World three times and took a cruise, you know, so I managed to, to travel pretty much when the kids were little, but I just did it for them. I was, it was easier then. Okay. Uh, Don, did you see, Chris Buckin says, did you see that Trump had a meeting with Kanye and Nick Fuentes? I did not. No, I did not see that. Uh, that's interesting. I, but, I, you know, Trump, Trump still does a lot of interesting stuff. But then he, you know, he just then he'll just say something extra stupid or start bragging about the vaccines again. Uh, Chris Buckin says he's same here. He hasn't left Florida since well, in 2019. I I know a lot of noted non-travelers I've met since then. Um, you know, so it's it's not. Uh, I know it's not that uncommon, but it's uh, it does hold me back, and I, I wish. Wish I could get over it, but I don't seem to be able to. General Milley comes to this unit. He talks about honor. We should look at the truth about this. General, really? Mark Mark wants to get it. If Mark Milley's talking about a cover-up, it's got to be the only one he's ever talked about. Wow, that's interesting. <clears throat> uh, Raybo says, it's hilarious. Didn't look good on Trump or Ye's presidential bid. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Ye. Has Ye apologized, really, for his, uh, his statements? Because uh, Kyrie Irving... Uh, kind of did i thought and i was i was really kind of uh, disappointed in that but uh because i've said for a long time our our greatest hope to try to restore uh free speech are these black celebrities because uh they are you know again the, the, with the woke uh, identity politics uh you black uh, outspoken blacks are always right right under this thing, no matter what. So if they're suddenly talking about things they're not supposed to be talking about, it's a, it's a delicate balancing act for the people that are running things because uh, they don't, they don't want to make them look bad. So uh, it's interesting. But so we'll, we'll see what happens there. The school spree shooters phenomenon in history for, yeah, absolutely. And we'll be talking about uh, 
and Chris has helped me a lot with that. Uh, lots on Sandy Hook, lots on Gabby Giffords, uh, thanks to the uh, research of uh, my friend Stephanie Sledge, one of the more underrated researchers out there who's uh, done yeoman's work on Gabby Giffords. I mean, she went there in person. And uh, if you listen to my interviews with her, and I've had her on the show more than once, because uh, nobody else seems to want to interview her. And I think she's great. And she just does great work. And she needs to get some credit. But she... Uh, died suspiciously afterwards, not surprisingly. Um, went to uh, Christina Green's house. Who And this was a nine-year-old girl that was born on 9-11. The kind of the, the focal point of the Gabby Gifford slang. The 9-11 the, the baby that was killed. And got the and I they sent me the audio tape. The guy the father says on audio tape that the funeral they showed on television, he basically admits it was staged. Said, yeah, we we made she wasn't buried there and we're thinking about what to do. I mean, this is again, if we had a real media, earth shattering. And it, it takes you way, way down the far uh, the uh the uh, the rabbit hole. Yes, Doug Waters. Yes, Nikki. And I've, I've mentioned that in my uh, pandemic book. Nikki Minaj has been right now. She's a profile in courage. She has not retracted what she said about the vaccines. And that is good for her. So maybe uh, Kyrie gets some strength from Nikki Minaj. Maybe Trumpy Dumpty should be helping innocent prisoners that he was responsible for. Well, you know, Trump could be doing tons of stuff, couldn't he? He's not, he doesn't seem to be doing it, but that's what that's you say that about anybody. Oh, maybe you know, some people think I should pardon Assange. Maybe I will. Yeah, sure. Sure. No, no, I'll, I'll pardon the uh, the president of Death Row Records instead. I'm sure, I'm sure he voted for me. Exactly. Brabo said Kyrie shared a link. Absolutely. That was, I mean, that's it's it's frightening that you know it's uh, that, that that can happen. Gabby Griffiths is very sketchy, like her husband, the senator. He, yeah, Doug, and you know, of course, it's timely to talk about Gabby Griffiths now because her, her husband, the uh, the astronaut who's in the non-space station. And even again, even if you believe it's up there, folks, it's no way. So calling it a space station is uh, it's like calling the Federal Reserve the Federal Reserve. Inaccurate. Uh, but Mark Kelly apparently uh, was able to defeat Blake Masters, shockingly enough. Uh, who saw that coming? But uh, John Blasting says, I agree with you, Don. The black celebrities since they just been anything short of criticizing Fiddler. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's pretty much why Ye and, and Kyrie got into trouble. They they figuratively did criticize Fiddler on the roof. I think that's when they start, you know, because basically uh, they're okay. Like Farrakhan would have never got bad press if he didn't single out Jews and make so many inflammatory comments about Jews specifically. He just stick to all whiteies are bad, then nobody's going to criticize you. Raymond says, yep, Kyrie got chastised like a white man indeed. Privilege doesn't trump humanity. <laughs> well, you know, again, that's, and that's what I, I said, you know, when, when Kanye or whatever, it's, it's, and this is what I say all the time is that if you're, if you're trying to clamp down against a race of people and falsely claiming that they have undue power, our influence, to, shutting them down by flexing your power and influence is not the way to prove your point. Because you're acting as if they're right. You're basically say, saying, yeah, well, look what happens. See, you, you mess with us. I mean, what does they say about society? If you want to know who runs a society, find out who, it's, who you get in trouble for criticizing. Well, it's pretty obvious. I think uh, Kyrie and, <laughs> and Kanye know that now. 
So again, I and again, I'm I'm coming at it from I I don't like generalizations about anybody. I made my positions very clear about um, the Jews, and I, I I think it can lead to real hatred. And uh, but you know, when you, if you're going to be making those kind of comments, then you need to uh, you need to you know, let, let's let's discuss. Let's have a dialogue. As as they're so uh, fond of talking about, let's have a dialogue and uh, see if we can. Uh, Discuss this rationally. Maybe, maybe you can calmly, uh, you know, tell uh, Kyrie Irving or whoever why what he said was uh, was that you know he shouldn't have said it. You know, and do something like that. But we instead we don't see that, and it's uh, it's very disturbing. But um, and I hope, folks, I hope we can get these phones situations. Maybe when we go to free FM, which is not going to be that much longer, we wait for updates for Tony. That I one of the first things I'm going to request from because I really like taking phone calls because I like playing. I'm glad you guys are are active in the chat and especially over at uh, YouTube. Thank goodness YouTube is not. And hopefully Tony's uh, Tony knows to take this down right afterwards. But uh, although this really wasn't as controversial a show as JFK stuff, but I still to be sure. Because I want to keep the YouTube live streaming thing up, because it, it it draws it's it draws a lot of people, and I really appreciate it. And you guys are very active over here, so good to see all you here. Rainbow says such a small segment isn't the Jewish people just select few exactly, and that's what I'm trying to say is that you know, and I, I got in trouble for for some people because again, some people just want to hate on a whole group, and this is you know, it's really no different than the, these crazy woke people saying all whites. And it's what happened 60 years ago when they had all the stereotypes about blacks and they uh, they criticized and blamed all blacks for the violence that was disproportionately happening and still does. But I contend that that happens largely because it's not being confronted as much as the, the disproportionate power of Jews is not. Dis- and they need to be confronted honestly, because, I mean, again, it doesn't mean I mean, I have lots of supporters that are Jewish and I, I value them very much. And I, I, I don't believe in generalizations. And that's what real liberals used to do. We used to hate racial stereotypes. All blacks are stupid. All blacks are lazy. You know, all Jews are penny pinchers. You know, that, that was one stereotype about them they used to say, but uh, now it's, you know, gone beyond that with white people. It says all whites are evil. You're just inherently evil because that's never been said about any group. I don't think. Um, and it's so, you know, we, we need to get beyond that. And, uh, to try to approach, yeah, whatever it is. And I, I just, you know, I call out the individuals. If I, if I, you know, call out 20 individuals in a row who for, for their crimes against the people and they all happen to be Jewish, that's not an indictment of, of Jews. It's an indictment of those people who happen to be Jewish. And I think we need to do that. We need, because it's, it's a slippery slope when you do that. And it even can, can lead into eugenicism. And I, I, I hate eugenists. Obviously people know that read my stuff. White Wolf says most Jews are completely ignorant involved in a monolithic conspiracy. That's exactly my point is that 99.9999% of Jews are not. And I would, you know, you go, you say it's kind of the same thing for Freemasons. Most Freemasonry is just kind of uh, what I think is, you know, kind of stupid, putting on hats and swearing oaths and stuff. It's not till you get to the highest degrees. That if if there is such thing that you that you learn that the architect of the universe is Lucifer, if that's true, I don't know. Maybe it's a myth. I don't, I, I'm not going to go undercover to become a Mason to find out, because if it is true, I don't want to know. You know, and uh, 
but you know, it's uh, yeah, Doug Water said the, the uh, Holocaust will happen to everyone who possesses. Yeah, you know, it's it's it it doesn't. That's why I don't talk about that. I I just say that we've been lied to about everything, and we have. That's why, and I, I certainly don't believe that anybody should be jailed for denying anything. And ironically, you know, Holocaust denial has now morphed into what? That's a term they're using for everything. What are the election denial? Election denial? I mean, there the mainstream media is calling all the can all of decent candidates that ran as Republicans election deniers, same COVID deniers. I mean, that's a terrible term. It's a very uh, old Bolshevik type or, or, or kind of Soviet term, because that's the kind of thing that they use to uh, to send people to Siberia. Now we don't have a Siberia here yet, and hopefully this our Siberia doesn't happen turn turn out to be. Uh, uh, FEMA camps. I said to everybody here, many I want to. You guys are my friends now, and yeah, uh, you know I've been ostracized in my own, my own friends uh, in real life and family. Uh, they don't accept what I'm talking about, but uh, it's it's wonderful to know that so many people are out there are awake to all this. But I, I'd love to meet you guys someday, but I don't want it to be in the FEMA camps. And I think there's a there's a there's an unfortunate possibility that it might be. Um, let's see here. These things. Uh, IBM was involved in the Holocaust. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's people that talk about because there's so many people that love Hitler, and there and and I understand that. There's there's a because if you read some of what he says, you say, yeah, he sounds like a conspiracy theorist and everything. But uh, understand, read Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, Wall Street, and, well, that too, but Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler by, by uh, Professor Anthony Sutton. Hitler was was he I think he was the designated loser of, of World War II. And then I think he was whisked off to Argentina afterwards. And I think uh, you know that that's what I think we did. But you know, certainly I'm not gonna, you know, it's um, I think it becomes, you know, when when we talk when I talk about hidden history, there are some people that want to only dispute the Holocaust. And there's reason, obviously, uh, to look at those numbers and everything. I, I I'm aware of it, but um there, unfortunately, there's some people that just want to question that, and they think I think they give it an exaggerated influence. We've been lied to about everything, and I try to, you know, pretty much uh, when you look at the numbers and hardware, it's yeah, exactly. And Chris, Chris is exactly right, and I know when I, you know, I tried to years ago tried to just defend Ernst Zundel, Zundel, who was uh, just a teacher in Canada, and most people don't realize Canada was one of the first ones to have an, you know, an anti-Holocaust or whatever. You know, it's basically you couldn't talk about it. And this guy was just talking about it. And I don't think he was teaching it, but I guess he just mentioned his beliefs to his students or whatever. So apparently it's okay to mention, you know, you know, getting a trans transgender surgery to your, you know, eight-year-old students. But uh, him talking about this to his high school. So they raided his house, kind of USA SWATs team style, and uh, put him in prison. And I just simply, you know, said, this is ridiculous. Nobody should go to prison for, uh, you know, disputing something about a historical event. But I, I lost a lot of people early on in the JFK who I liked, who were good people. They, it was just too emotional for them. And so that's why I don't concentrate too much on it, um, because uh, I know that it's very, very, very uh, emotional for people. And I I but you know they were real here too. We had them as well. And uh, Doug Waters talks about, and you, and you certainly were seeing parallels with Ukraine. And we had this, you know, I, I still don't really even understand that uh, 
what's going on there in Ukraine, because Ukraine has now become the focal point of our foreign policy. And of course, for those who've been following it for years, for those of us who call it neocons, it, that foreign policy has revolved around Israel and Israeli interests forever. Now Ukraine has taken over. I don't understand it. Yes, Zelensky is a Zionist. I understand that, but I, I really don't understand it. I'm not sure how it can do uh, the modern foreign policy, which again is all revolves around Israel. I'm seeing over in the chat room, uh, angry tiger, tigers active there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Chris is writing things there too. Okay, we have Marshwiggle. What did I miss here? Okay, he's talking about uh, he's in different dives in the world today. Let's see, not really touching on it. Again, I'm sorry, Ken. I just wonder if I missed any questions or anything over here. Tom Cooper says, We love you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. I love you guys too. And I really, I really appreciate everybody that listens in. And, uh, any, I noticed Stephanie Green's name hasn't been there for a few weeks. Anybody know? You guys were talking with her. Any, anybody knows anything about her? She's okay. I'm going to email her. I have her. But, uh, she was kind enough to send me the email. I really hope she's all's well with her, or certainly hope I didn't do something to uh, some at least. But I can't, it's not even letting me stretch or Okay. Jason says, Steph was on date that is. Okay, so She's around. Okay, well, for whatever reason, she's just not, uh, she hasn't been here. Anyway, we'll say hello to her. But um, let's see if we get anything else. So that's basically ready. I hope you guys will listen to America Unplugged, obviously, tomorrow and uh, with Tony and Billy Ray. And we'll talk about probably some of these same things. Um, but um, obviously, tough times. And uh, people, you know, if you, don't already, please follow me on Substack, donaldjeffries.substack.com. You can check out the I protest there. I write regularly there. I need more. Doug Water says, thanks. Tony, Tony, looks like he's in the house. Tony? Yes, sir. Great show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Did you did you notice him? Again, people, and I, I could see kind of where I was I breaking up a lot again. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you had a little bit of connectivity issues, Don, but it, it wasn't anything I can't clean up in the edit. We'll just have to figure out what's going on on that end. Um, but yeah, we can, I don't yeah. know. I, I really don't know. The connection hasn't changed and the equipment hasn't changed. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, and I booted it right before the show, too. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what's happening. So, yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. We went from JFK yeah. to... Uh, uh, oh, Chris Gray says I, I've got, I have a brand new St. Patrick interview. That's right, I did. My old friend St. Patrick, who's going to be publishing uh, my Plandemic book, because uh, I guess Skyhorse lost interest in it. Uh, I think I've, I've been on his show more times than anybody, but he hasn't done it for a while. So uh, 
that's uh, you know something to look forward to. It's on his. I think he just has it on because he's uh, like a lot of us out there. You know, he's he would like people to support him, so I think it's out there on Patreon. So if you want to help SD Patrick Midnight Rider News out there, you can see my latest interview and uh, check it out. And oh god don't tell me i have connection issues again <laughs> yeah we'll just go ahead and close it out don okay yeah I, i'm sorry i apologize for the connection issues everybody but i and i appreciate everybody for listening and thanks for the tips and thank, thank you tony hopefully uh you know work better for america and plug tomorrow but i appreciate everybody listening and i hope everybody had a happy thanksgiving Enjoy the weekend. Thanks so much for listening. I protest.